Human words some kind can't explain, but to be reconnected again and then you're off and running again. Refreshed, revived, <laughs> renewed a little bit. So I just want to thank you. And, and I want to thank Melvin for pitch hitting and, and just stepping in. And, and uh, you know, I just think God is just doing so much at this present time in the life of this church. And we just thank him for it. Well, we're going to be looking at Babylon. We left off with Babylon three weeks ago, looking at chapter 17. Now we're also going to look at chapter 18, and we're going to uh, somewhat put these two Babylons together and so forth. It's still Babylon. Now, some commentaries, when you read them, will say Babylon represent Rome because it speaks of seven hills in that area of chapter 17. Well, it could be. The seven hills isn't the real proof that is Rome, per se. The, the whole process, I think it's Satan at work using Babylon. Because when you're in Genesis, after the fall, after the flood, and everything's starting new, Satan's busy. God's implementing his program. But now Satan's going to implement his program. So you have these two programs now that's going to constantly be challenged down through the history of man. And, and, and remember what Nimrod's name meant? Rebellion against God. Nimrod, rebellion against God. And he's the one who comes up with the Tower of Bell. And then when you look at his wife historically and what all she got involved in and all the cults and all the Misteaching that comes out of that. That all the heresies come from Babel or from Babylon. And when you trace the history of it, Roman picks up their gods, the Greeks picks up their gods, the Persians pick up their gods. You can follow the same God just with a different name. So as God has been preparing history for us and, and preparing his people, you need to understand something. Satan's doing the same thing. Satan's doing the same thing. But it's going to climax in Revelation. Especially when Jesus Christ comes back and reigns during the millennium period, which we'll get to in a few weeks or at least within a month and a half. But the whole process, you got these two things running together opposing each other all the way through. And it's amazing that here is Babylon now. And oftentimes we forget what Scripture says, but it's so important as we go through this, is begin to really look at Scripture and look at where you're at right now. Give me the three things that every nation struggles with or has within their makeup. Three things. Government or politics? That's one. What's the other one? Oh. Economics, number two. Hey. Hey. And what's the third thing? Religion. Just think about it. Even Russia, who says it's an atheist nation, has the Church of Russia. 
every nation, every group has those three things. Religions, financial issues, and politics. Some form of government. Babylon is going to control all three. Babylon's going to control all three. Two of those things really begin to stand out about man. That is religion and finances. Those are the two most important things with people. And that's why God says, even at that point, man can't serve God and money. He has to make a choice. Because those are the two most important things in man's life that they run after. Some form of religion, some form of idolatry or idol worship, some form, and then we all run after money. When you get into chapter 18, it says that Babylon has fallen. In verse 2, Revelation 18, y'all will be up on this. Revelation chapter 18, verse 2. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. And he says in verse 1, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And when you go back through history, Babylon had fallen. Babylon has fallen. But Babylon rises. Even in Iraq, they still find bricks and stuff with Babylon. King Hussein or dictator Hussein or whatever you want was rebuilding what? Babylon. Even Disney World got involved in it. Rebuilding Babylon. But when God destroys Babylon, there is something also spoken behind that, that it will never rise again. It will never rise again. Peter talks about Babylon a little bit. And processes that he himself even um, comes to a place that he's writing either from Babylon or to the people in Babylon that he himself is writing to them. And the thing is, oftentimes we forget that, boy, these individuals are writing to them, and even Peter speaks about Babylon. Babylon. Now, the two systems of Babylon, one system is religious. That's what we see in 17. We see the beast and everything involved and setting up the religious whole practice of Babylon in 17. And the worship part and so forth. When we get to 18, we deal a little bit more with the political and the economical. And mainly the economical part of Babylon. So you have this system that is being followed. It's it's strange here how often 
Even in chapter 14 of Revelation, it speaks of Babylon. Then 16, it speaks of Babylon. Then 17, then 18, it speaks of Babylon. How much attention John gives to Babylon? If it was not important, Babylon wouldn't keep jumping up. But Babylon keeps jumping up. And if it keeps jumping up, God's trying to say something to us. And he's talking about this system of Babylon. And he says, as fallen as fallen, Babylon the great, she has become a home of demons. Boy. Our religious is the first part, 17. The second is political and commercial, the financial part. That's why you hear so much about the merchants and they won't buy and sell anymore. That takes place in that whole process. Now, this stems from Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. It goes all the way back to that chapter 11 of Genesis where the world religious and the forces march up against God and they're going to build their tower and if God sends another flood, we'll be able to miss it because we have built a tower to heaven. Okay. The two powerful forces that man cannot avoid is religion and commerce, finances, money. Those are the two things that we will find ourselves always battling with. Those are the things even money will separate us from our God. God isn't against us having money. It's how money is used. It's how money is used. He's not against us having money. But are you willing to take your money and use it for the kingdom of God? That's the question. Or is most of your money used on you? That becomes the issue. It, whose money is it really? Yeah. We say that. And we even say, well, we're stewards of his money. But boy, if we were to check your account and see how it's spent, would it really say you are spending it in the kingdom of God? In verses 11 and 13, go there with me. In chapter 18. Go to verse 11 with me. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. There's the finance. We're not getting wealthy anymore. We're not getting any more money right now. And there's something else that's going on there. When you start touching people's pleasures, they will vote against you. The only thing is one philosopher says that the problem with democracy is this. As long as you give people the right to vote, they will vote in their pleasures. They will vote in the person who promised them the most. They will vote for the person who gives and offers them the most. And we do, even in our culture and our society today, we vote in our pleasures. 
We vote in that whole process that if it's going to take care of me, I'll vote for that guy. But don't let him say he's going to take something from me. And he says, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls and fine linen, purple, silk and scarlet cloth, every sort of separate wood and articles, every kind of maid of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cargo of cinnamon and spices and incense, myrrh and frankincense of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages. Now, catch the last thing it says that is happening today. Human trafficking. And that's growing. That market is growing. And look what he says. Boy, they even sell the bodies and souls of men. Human trafficking. And it's growing today. It's going to continue to grow. Why? Because we care less about one another. We care less about one another. Loans is not my child taken. I'm all right. It may be somebody else's child that's sold on the market. It may be somebody else's daughter sold on the market. It may be some, but it's okay. Loans that don't touch home with me. And it says, the bodies and souls of men. That no one can buy this now. Why? One of the things that religiosity does, it stirs up. It stirs up the people. One of the sad points about us even, we come to church more so for our pleasures than for the teaching. We come to church more to be entertained. We come to church more for our pleasures and our catharsis and what we get out of it more than what we are coming to hear and to learn and then put into practice. And they're missing because of what took place in 17. Come back over to chapter 17 with me and come down with me in the verse uh, 13. We're going to start there. 17, 13. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw were the prostitutes that sits are people, multitudes, and nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. Will hate Babylon, this religious part. Now this religious part, it may be the church. It may be those who are just religious, but not really knowing Christ. They have a form of godliness. They are religious people. They want to be in something religious. But they're in this religious thing because of all the pleasures that they receive from it. 
We talk about a shortage of men in the church. If we were to have about 20 prostitutes here that were holy, the church would be running over with men. And, and the whole process is that it was about their pleasures of life and what all they could buy because of what Babylon was able to afford them and give to them and so forth. And the merchants became wealthy when you read 17 about it. Then 18, they're losing their wealth. But see, when they're getting wealthy, people are buying their pleasures. People are buying what they want, what makes them comfortable. People are buying what they enjoy. People pay for it. That's why I tell any woman, you go sleep with a man, at least get paid. The prostitute does. And the whole thing is that, is this issue of money and so forth. That is growing. Go with me to 1 Timothy 3.8. Because remember, they couldn't buy. They couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. And it's all talking about money. But go to 1 Timothy 3.3. Because here again now comes this area about money. And what money is able to do. Let me get there. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 3. Four three. That's the deacons. Let me get there. Get there. Not given to drunkenness. Not violent. Not, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Here it is. Not a lover of what. Now, let me share why that's one of the qualifications for a deacon or a pastor, an elder. If you're in this for the money, you're in it for the wrong reason. If you're in it for pastoring, thinking, boy, you're going to have three-piece suits that you dress up in every day and you're going to drive a Lexus and you're going to drive a Mercedes and you're going to live out in this place or that place and you're going to have this big thing and you're going to gather this well, you're in it for the wrong reason. Because the pastor is the one who should exercise faith and believe in God that God's going to provide for him. Now, on the other hand, the scripture also balances it. He says, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox. That a servant is worthy of his hire. So God isn't saying you have to keep a pastor poor and without nothing, but he is not one that is grafty for money. He is not one that is constantly begging for money. He is not one who just seeks money for himself. I was sharing with some young pastors, and I shared this with the young pastor that we called. You have two choices when it comes to church life, <clears throat> when it comes to finances. You can heap the money on yourself, all that is extra after the bills are paid. 
you can demand all that to go into your salary and you can seek more and more and more. Or you can reinvest back into the church as long as you're eating every day and you're satisfied. The thing about the pastor, he can't act like the person in the world or like he's on a different job. He can't look for a raise every year. And he does his job depending on God's going to provide for him. Though God uses the congregation, but God even goes outside the congregation sometimes to help provide. And it says he cannot be a lover of money. Because the money will cause him to begin to drift away from God to serving people who are paying him rather than the dependency upon God. And you don't want to miss that. Go to 610. 1 Timothy 610. Look what he says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, one of the things you're going to find there in Revelation, it speaks about evil spirits. Money will entice all type of evil spirits because you think you can do anything with money. You'll hear people make this statement. Give me the money and I'll take care of my problem. Money is nothing but more problems if you don't handle it right. That's all it is. It's more problems. And he says, for the love of money is a root of all kind of evil. It's not the money that's evil. It's the use of it. And he says, some people eager for money have wandered from where? The faith. Because they're eager for it. They're they're grasping for it. They they just got to have it. And the thing about when you serve God, you're not grafty. You're not greedy. You're just not after it. God knows what your needs are. And just like you would teach to the people, oh, God takes care of the flowers out there. God takes care of the birds, don't he? Well, when you're teaching them that, are you teaching yourself? That the same God you're telling them to depend upon and that that God will take care of them... Is your God big enough to take care of you and meet your needs? And and that has to really be considered. So he brings it out here again that the love of money is the root of all evil. And hold that word evil there. Because, see, when what takes place in 17 has come to a certain height in 18 because of the love of money. Go to 2 Timothy 3.2. 2 Timothy 3.2. Then uh, I want you to hold this in thought too as we also take a look. 3 and verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Lovers of what? Money. Lovers of money. Lovers of their wealth. Boastful. Proud. And remember what money does? It leads in all type of spiritual evils. 
When you go into Matthew 6, 24, it simply says, you can't serve God and what? And mamma or money. You got to choose one or the other. That's not saying, boy, I have to be poor in order to worship God. No, God wants to bless you with riches that you can be a blessing to his kingdom and to his work. When we hit Revelation 18.2, he said, it's a home of demons. Go back there with me now. Revelation 18.2. Keep it in mind of what we just said about money. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen, Babylon the great. She has become a home for who? Demons. Now remember what Timothy also says about demons. That they're teachers. Demons teach. That's why the Lord says, when you were not walking with the Lord, and then you meet the Lord, the Lord says, now we got to renew your mind. Why does your mind have to be renewed? Because you've been taught by Satan and his system. You've been taught by Nimrod's system. You've come to a whole area that now your mind has to be transformed. That's why he tells us, put on the mind of Christ. Totally different than the earthly mind. So God deals with our mind. Because these demons are going to teach. Now understand where that principle comes from. God taught Adam. God, if you really look at God, God is a profound teacher of the truth. Satan is a profound teacher of a lie. But both are teaching. Both are teaching. The issue is, who will you learn from? Do you sit at the feet of Jesus or do you sit at the feet of Satan? The teaching of this world is going to be one or the other. Now put that together with what Proverbs says. As a man thinketh, so what? So is it. Because the way in which you you are taught, that's how you're going to act. That's how you respond. By the way in which you've been taught. So the issue is, who's been teaching you? Who's been teaching you? One of the reasons that a lot of Christians are broke is because they do not believe God's financial package. The Lord says, be anxious for nothing. What are we? I want it right now. (laughs) I got to have it right now. The Lord tells us to save little by little. We want to play lottery that we hit it big all at once. But because we haven't learned how to manage money, most people who have hit the lottery are broke today simply because they've never been taught how to handle funds. Now listen again to what the Lord said. He who is faithful in little, he will give them what? Much. But you've got to first demonstrate that you are faithful with the little before I will give you much. Yeah. And he says, back into the text, he says that Babylon is a home for demons. Now, out of Babylon, who controls the economical wealth, out of Babylon that controls the political circle, so 
so to say, out of Babylon that controls the religious issues and so forth, out of those three principles, those things are being spread abroad. And that's why I said that Babylon affects many nations. Many nations. Because those three things are the heart of every nation. And Babylon is teaching those things. A false religion. Control the economical or the commerce well. And the political issues. Go over with me into uh, Revelation 16. Come down to verse 19. When you read a lot of commentary, when it talks about being split into three, uh, the Bible really doesn't tell us where it's three, but I'm going to suggest to you, a lot of the commentaries will go into the area of the earthquake that took place and one-tenth of Jerusalem was destroyed or whatever. I want to give you just another thought because it's stated, but it never really explains it to us. It says, the great city split into three parts. Talking about, again, Babylon. Some will refer back over to chapter 11, Revelation 11. And in verse 13 about the earthquake, but I can't correlate those two. But I can correlate this. It says three parts. Religious, economical, political. That when you look at it, all three makes up any nation, any part that they're going to control. That Babylon will control. Now, when you get to verse 3 there in chapter 18... Come on down with me. Because it says, For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. All the nations have drunk. Boy, time then went by. All the nations have drunk of her madness. And come, come on down with me just a little bit further. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her. And the merchants of the earth grew what? Rich from her excessive what? Luxuries. Excessive luxuries. The Greek takes that word luxury into the area of excessive strength. That you can do anything you want to do. It, it takes you into an area where it's over strength or eager desires. You have the strength to fulfill any desire you can think of. Just think it for a moment. If you had the ability to fulfill any desire you wanted, what kind of person would you be? What kind of person would you be if you could fulfill any of your desires? If you could fulfill every thought that came into your mind, what kind of person would you be? 
Even those thoughts that you put into captivity because, boy, you know they're against Christ, but you have the ability to fulfill them. Lord, take a nap while I do this. Lord, go, go ahead and turn your head the other way while I do this. Lord, go ahead and just shut your eyes for you won't see this. Lord, put enough darkness over me that you won't see it, Lord. What kind of person would we be? If we could fulfill any of our thoughts and our every desire we have. Yet that's what's taking place here in Babylon. It's all the luxuries or all the pleasures of man. All that man could ever want. Now understand that the Lord says all these things are only what? Temporal. All of the things that you bought in your lovely home and you placed there and you treasure, you're going to leave them there. That, that favorite chest you got, that, that, that nice table that you take good care of, nobody can put their foot on, and, and you know, that lovely couch. You know, I can never understand folks buying a couch and then putting all that plastic over it. You sit there and sweat, you had to get up every now and for some air to pass through. But boy, we were preserving it. I know a couple, boy, they were older, lived up the street from us. I couldn't understand it. Boy, had the most beautiful house on the street. Brick home. Lovely home. He was a hard worker. They lived in the basement while they kept everything upstairs covered. Lovely home. Beautiful furniture. But you go in, you got all these sheets over the stuff in the living room and everything, the dining room, and they live down in the basement. But I understand where that mentality also came from. When you never had something and you get a little something, you try to hang on to it for as long as you can. But we need to understand that you're not taking any of that stuff with you. It's all going to stay here. So all those luxuries and all those things that cause you pleasure in this life, they're going to stay here. And he goes on and he says a little further, he says, when you come back up in the verse 2, he says, and a hut for evil spirits. Evil spirits thrive in Babylon. And God's going to destroy it. Now, on that religious side, let's go back up because I want you to see the religious again. In 11, it says, The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. This is the modern day church. We want the pleasures of God and what God can give us. But what we don't want is God to rule over us. When Babylon in its religious form ruled over the kings and the people, they rebelled because they came to a place, you got too much rule in my life. I got the pleasures now. I got everything I need. I'm enjoying this thing that you provided. But see, we want the pleasures of God. 
We want the blessings of God. We want the joy of God. We want the peace of God. We want the grace of God. We want the healing of God. But we don't want to be obedient to God. Can you see the two? And that's part of the modern day church today. We want all the pleasures. Now, not against music. But if music is unbalanced in the church, when it comes to teaching of the word, something's wrong. We're missing it. For the highest thing in the church ought to be the word of God. Music enhances it. But God says right now what my people need is my word. What my people need is to be taught. What my people need to know how to do is live godly and holy. I have nothing wrong with clapping and jumping and, and celebrating with a song. If we really understand what the song is saying. That's why sometimes I take time and I'll ask you about a line in the music or I'll ask you about this because I want you to catch something what the songwriter is saying. And do we really understand it? Just like this morning, falling in love with Jesus. What does that really mean to fall in love with Jesus? What does that look like? How do I apply that where I'm just not singing it and forgetting it? But I'm really practicing falling in love with Jesus. One more and I'm going to close out and we'll pick up next week. I don't want to tire y'all out. But we'll, 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 we'll pick this back up. Because see the whole issue is, boy, the pleasures that we love. And they're going to miss those pleasures. Now, I'm going to pick this back up again next week too, but I want to close it this week. Why do I think this is one of the same systems, just two different areas? Why would I think that? I think that reason because of two scriptures that is given, one in 17 and one in 18, that I think connects it together. That one is not Rome and one is this here, but they are... Again, a Babylonian-type system that Satan uses to corrupt us and has come to his, its height. And we keep seeing this apostate church coming, this falling away taking place. But they're still in church, but it's apostate because they really don't believe in Jesus. It's apostate because they really don't hold to the word of God. It's apostate because they can come together and have a great time. How many of you understand one of the fastest growing churches in California today is gay and lesbian churches? They have some of the largest churches One of the largest churches in San Diego will have nothing to do with Jesus, but they come and they talk and they preach about ethics, they preach about honesty, they preach about all this other stuff, how we should tolerate each other. I I even saw a sign on the church that we ought to pray that we can tolerate other groups. No, we ought to pray, and I put another word in there, 
that we can love other groups because the Lord tells us love one another. The Lord says love your neighbor, not not come out who is your neighbor. He just tells you to love your neighbor. That's a command. Love your neighbor, whoever that neighbor may be. Maybe gay, maybe straight, maybe this, maybe that. The Lord says love that neighbor. And go with me into verse 17 and the verse 6. Show you how I'm connecting these two and we'll come back to it a little bit more next week. In 17.6, I think the key word which connects both of these is what happens to the saints that are there. And we'll talk about it next week where the Lord says even to his people in that verse Verse 9 is it? Verse 8, verse 7, where he tells his people to come out from them in 18. He says to his people to come out. Understand, God always has a small remnant of people who will testify for him. He says in that verse 4, he says, come out of her, my people, in 18. But we'll pick that up. But let's go to verse 6. He says in 17, he says, I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of who? The saints. Now, listen a little further. The blood of those who bore testimony to who? To Jesus. Who's being persecuted? The saints. Now, come over in 18. Look at verse 24. In her was found the blood of prophets and of who? The saints and of all who have been killed on the earth. So when you hear about a drive-by shooting, think demon. When you hear about somebody killing three or four people, think evil spirits. When you hear about these awful things that are taking place, think some demonic force or influence has been involved. And that's how I connect those two, 17 and 18. One is falling is the religious side of Babylon, chapter 17. Because the religious part got the kings and the nations and all them involved. In 18, we're seeing the economical part. And people, Satan is doing a job. Now, I'm going to ask you to watch something. Because as it read in 18, in verse 13... And it says, in bodies and souls of men, watch the rise of human trafficking. Watch it. See if it's growing. It is growing so fast, the selling of other human beings. Watch how fast women are being snatched and sold. Watch how fast children, and look at the little girls that have been taken compared to little boys that have been taken. Moms, you think your young daughters are safe going here, there, and there. Be overprotective. 
Because it only takes one time. My grandson and I, we were in Home Depot. Home Depot. Is it Home Depot? Yeah, it's Home Depot. And he kind of like wandered off. And I told Mark, when you're with Grandpa, you stay with me. Because see, if some grown man grabbed you, I wouldn't know it. You stay with me. Well, you think you can fight off some grown man? You can't do it. You don't wander off. You stay with me. And I always want to keep you somewhere in eyesight. Because too much of it is happening. Well, somebody said, it hasn't happened to me. Somebody said, but you know something? You really start digging around. You'll see how much is happening. Beating their journal even ran an article on it just about a week ago. Over 17,000 people, either in the state of Ohio or in Summit County, that came up missing. And only 6,000 have been found. That's something. 17,000 people go missing? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. And Lord, as we keep digging into revelations and the different topics that come up in revelation, we pray, Father, that you give us deep, deep insight. And help it, Lord, to order our lives. Help us to understand that, Lord, we're not just living under your system but we're living under a world system that is headed by Satan and Father we have to make that choice who are we going to live under whose authority will we live under will we live under God's authority or will we live under the authority of the world and we know that in the world Lord they take that which is right And make it wrong. And make that which is wrong seem to be right. And we live that way sometimes, Lord. For we know, Lord, your word is saying this. But we're saying this is what so many people are doing. And this is what most of the people are doing. It's not about what most of the people are doing. It's about what your word is saying and declaring to us. Help us to believe your word above all else. And help us to trust in your word. Father, may you continue to minister to us. As we pick this up again next week, help it to make it very clear to us that, Lord, in every age, in every circumstances, you always have a pocket of your people. And, Lord, help us to be able to see that clearly. And to see, Lord, that what you have said, what will take place with Babylon, will come to pass. And Babylon will rise no more. Lord, minister to us. But Lord, in these days in which we live, we pray you're keeping power over us. 
We pray the blood of Christ over us and our children and our grandchildren. We pray that you'll put a band of angels around us, O God. We pray for a filling, Lord, of your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, he just doesn't reside in us, but, Lord, he is just bubbling over in us, Lord. Lord, we just pray your anointing upon your people. God, we need you. We need you in this hour as never before. We need you in this time of history because it's so easy to be deceived. It's so easy to be a religious person but not connected to Jesus Christ. Lord, let no one leave here today without knowing that they know that they know that they are saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. If you never accepted the Lord as your person,